open your Bibles up to John 20. I'm excited about uh, the message this morning, and uh, uh, I know that you will be encouraged. And again, if it is your first time uh, to be with us, we welcome you. And if you're looking for a church home, you found one. Come on, somebody. And uh, yeah, we just love to uh, make sure that you know that you're welcome here. And we want to connect with you. So we don't just want you to sit in a chair on Sunday. We want to meet you and, uh, and get to know your name. Hallelujah. And we want to introduce you to our leaders and, and, uh, and really just equip your life. So um, are you ready to be equipped? Let's read John chapter 20. We're going to read it in the New King Jimmy version. And uh, if you didn't know, that's uh, New King James. Hallelujah. And how many love the King James? Any KJV only people in the crowd? Like, is it the only version? No? Okay. All right. It's one of the only ones. So we're going to go to the New King Jimmy version. And uh, I just like it in this text. And uh, we're going to jump right into it. By the way, I kind of did a little shout out for one of my favorite study Bibles. Um, and it's the Spirit, Spirit-Filled Life Bible. Uh, the chief editor was Jack Hayford. If you don't know who he is, he's a brilliant pastor, Bible teacher. Um, and, and this study Bible has some really good studies. Matter of fact, it, it, it kind of gives you a good glimpse at some different scholarly approaches to even like the the dating of the book of Revelation. A lot of people will just default to uh, what's really just more of a popular view to evangelicalism, but not necessarily a scholarly view. And that is a later date to the book of Revelation that it was written 96 AD. But this actually says there are some scholars that believe it was written in uh, before uh, King Nero, before 70 AD, um, when the temple was destroyed. If you have a little understanding of early church history, it's the some of the things that Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24. And so some people believe that the book of Revelation obviously is pertaining to some things in our future. Amen. Like the physical return of Jesus. Hallelujah. And the final judgment and the final resurrection. Who's looking forward to the final resurrection where that bum knee won't be a bum knee no more. I just want to play Laris in basketball and I want to whoop him in heaven. So, um, I can't play ball that good guys. Sorry, white boy. Anyways. Um, so uh, when we, when we look at the study Bible, there is, I got distracted right there. Uh, we have a good scholarly approach to different. So you read in the beginning of, of a book and it'll say like, you know, different views on when it was written, who it was written to and things like that. But it's a brilliant commentary on, uh, on, if you are a, a charismatic, neo-charismatic, Pentecostal, you come from that stream, you believe in the gifts of the spirit, some really good commentary, uh, on the New Testament in different areas. Powerful, powerful stuff. So I encourage you to get that Bible if you don't have it. My other one's falling apart, so I got the hardback version here. John chapter 20. Are y'all ready? Say, I'm ready. ready. That was awful. Okay. Um, <laughs> verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews... Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the father has sent me, I also send you. Verse 22. 
And when he had said this, he breathed on them. Would you just say that with me? Say, he breathed on them. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Then he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now I want to start with this text. And uh, this morning, I want to talk to you about your sound, your song, and your voice. Can you just look at the person next to you and say, you have a voice. I felt like about 43% of the church actually did that. Let's try it again. Look at the, you know, it's so funny because what I asked you to say, and then no one voiced what I asked you to say. So maybe you really need to hear this again. Look at the person next to you say, you have a voice. Oh, that was so much louder. You actually have a voice. Now, this is really profound, this text. If you think about the context here, the disciples, their, their rabbi, the Messiah, whom they believed to be the Messiah that was going to turn everything upside down, uh, was crucified. And now they're thinking they might be the next ones. They're in a room with the doors closed in fear. Then the Bible doesn't say Jesus knocked on the door. Um, the Bible, I know it says that in the book of Revelation. He's, behold, I stand at the door and knock. The Bible doesn't say that in this context here. The, the Bible doesn't even say that he walked through an open door. It says that he just stood in the midst. Some people believe he literally just walked through the wall in his resurrected body. You know, some quantum uh, physics would actually theorize that this is possible. With this resurrected body, Jesus shows up. And how many know that we serve a God that sometimes will just walk through the walls of our fear and say, peace be to you. And Jesus shows up. But then this is John's version of what we would call the apostolic commission. Where you know, read in Matthew 28 or in, in Mark 16 where Jesus says, go preach the gospel, the baptism for the remission of sins, or uh, go into all the world and make disciples. And this is what John says here, that he says, as the Father sent me, I send you. And then he says something interesting. He breathed on them, which is a phrase we're going to look at. And there's a connection to this phrase to an Old Testament verse. He says, receive the Holy Spirit, receive the Holy Spirit. How many know the Holy Spirit must be received? That's a good word. There's an entire generation and entire denominations that are offended at the Holy Spirit. He might indwell their life, but they don't want to receive all the fullness to be empowered by the Spirit that Jesus has for us. How many can say, yeah, that's probably true. Sometimes even in our charismatic world, there are things that, that uh, we may not realize, but we sometimes will hold offense against the spirit of God. And Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit. But then he says this thing, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain them, they're retained. It's kind of a difficult passage. Some would say um, that it would correlate with, in a, in a Jewish culture, God would give authority to the Pharisees to forbid or not to forbid. This is kind of what Jesus talked about in Matthew 16, about binding and loosing. And then again in Matthew 18. And I would say this, that I don't believe it's like uh, a high priestly thing where the, the priest says, okay, your sins are forgiven, but if you don't pray enough Hail Marys, the priest is like, your sins aren't forgiven. 
How many, th- how many are thankful they're not in religion? Come on, somebody. Now, I love my Catholic brothers. I love my Eastern Orthodox brothers, but I'm glad I'm Pentecostal. Hallelujah. And I'm glad I'm Protestant because I like Martin Luther and I like the grace finished work message. We should glean from the larger body of Christ, but you don't need a priest to tell you your sins are forgiven. Jesus is sending out the disciples with the gospel message, which is not a message of retention of sin, but remission of sin. In other words, he's saying, come to the mercy seat, come and receive, come and drink freely of the waters. You are forgiven, you're accepted, you're loved. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says that you are to preach the, the, the message of reconciliation. This is the ministry we've been given is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Therefore, we should not hold their trespasses against them because God didn't hold our sins against us when we came to him to ask for forgiveness. Come on, somebody. See, the message of the gospel is scandalous to the religious mind because it's radical forgiveness. As a matter of fact, it's not retributive, it's restorative. That's what the word atonement means, at one minute. It's literally an invitation to the mercy seat, which is a type and shadow in the Old Testament where there is no retention of sin, but only remission of sin. And that's where the blood of the lamb has touched. And you can come freely. I feel like I'm preaching way better than you're responding already. But y'all might get saved in just a minute. I forgive you. You're forgiven. Amen. The message of the gospel is love, acceptance, and forgiveness. I like the way Eugene Peterson puts this in verse 23. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. But if you retain them, what good are they to you? Isn't it interesting? Sometimes we do this in relationships, though. Like, we want to think God hasn't forgiven someone only really because we haven't forgiven them. We try to do it in our evangelism. Let's, you know, let's create some hoops, religious hoops for people to jump through. And not that I, I, I don't disagree with people crying out, calling on the name of the Lord, sinner's prayer. We have methods and things that we do that. We lead people in prayer. I totally believe in that, making a decision for Christ. But sometimes we just need to remember it's an invitation into life. And the table of forgiveness to feast on this relationship that we were designed for, the relationship with God, is open to all Jesus atoned for the sins of the world, 1 John 2, 2. The sins of the cosmos, not an elect, uh, select few. The word election does not mean an individual. It's pointing to Jesus, the elect one, and objectively all were included in his death at the cross in a mystical way. I know that that's a little bit much for us to chew on, but you must know that the heart of the father is way more loving and inclusive than you could even comprehend. And unless we know that this is the gospel message, how can we go out and evangelize? Unless we know that this is the heart of God, how can we welcome people at our table if we still think God has a list and a, of a requirements in order for people to get to his table? The prodigal son didn't need to jump through religious hoops to get to the father. The father ran down to meet him. Before the son said anything in Luke 15, the father kissed him and embraced him. As a matter of fact, the father uh, completely interrupts his pre-rehearsed orphan prayer, which was, it was about to come out, uh, make me like one of your hired servants. That's what he rehearsed to pray. Before he could get to that, the father says, hey, call my servant, so go get the best robe. Guess what the best robe was? The father's robe. The best robe of the house? That's daddy's robe. He said, put my robe on him because he's royalty. 
And can you imagine if we looked at sinners that way? They deserve, yeah, they deserve robes of righteousness because the broken body of Jesus was shed. That blood poured forth. Come on, that blood is not just for you and I, it's for the whole world. Oh my goodness, if we could just get eyes for the broken, if we could just get a heart for those that need the gospel message, and it's not a message of retention of sin, but remission of sin. Jesus is saying, listen, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. That denotes and is connected to a scripture in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter two, verse seven. How do we know this? Because the Septuagint, which was, is this like drinking from a fire hose right now? Sorry, I just can't stop. I had a little bit of coffee. Glory to God. And the Septuagint, the Septuagint was Jesus's Bible. The Old Testament, it was translated in Greek about 400 years before Christ, but it was a common use for the modern Jew of the first century. And the Septuagint translates this word uh, that, that was written in the New Testament, this word he breathed on them. It's the same word in Genesis 2-7 where God breathed into Adam the breath of life. There's a connection. You know, it's interesting. Let me ask you a question. Most of us went to Sunday school. What day was man created? The sixth day, right? Man was created on the sixth day. Can we all agree? Okay. Well, it's interesting because if you read Genesis 1, now, what did he do on the seventh day, y'all? Rested. Okay. And the seventh day is Saturday. There you go. That's known as the Sabbath. Just a little Sunday school, you know, quiz. Come on, somebody. Now, it's interesting, though, because in the beginning of this text, it says it was the first day of the week in John. How many know what that day is? That's Sunday. That's today. That's the Lord's Day. That's the reason we worship on Sundays. It's not because the sun god. It's because they called it the Lord's Day. It was known as the day in which the Lord resurrected because it was. And so that's the day that's honored that we gather as the saints together to celebrate what he did for us. Amen. What's interesting, though, if you jump back to Genesis 2-7, we know man was created in chapter 1, which was on the sixth day, but in the beginning of chapter 2, it says that it was the seventh day, and this is the record of all the creation. Then all of a sudden, the author of Genesis, or maybe it's a different account of creation, some scholars say, chapter 1 and chapter 2, he jumps into this reaccount of God breathing into Adam the breath of life, so it almost looks like it was on the seventh day, but we know it wasn't, or after the seventh day. But if, if we read what we're seeing here in John 20, when Jesus breathed on the disciples, how many know that this was a picture of the, the regeneration of the heart of man and the renewing of the cosmos, the new creation that Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? Are you all with me this morning? It's almost like the author of Genesis had a little insight to what was coming that yes, man was created on, on the sixth day, but there's this little imagery of God breathing life into man on the seventh day, although when we know it happened on the sixth day, but even after the seventh day, because I know it sounds confusing, but just bear with me. Jesus was, this was a type and a shadow of Jesus breathing life into all of humanity. So it looks like the author of Genesis is saying that man was given this breath of life on the seventh day, but it was a prophetic picture of the renewing of the cosmos and the new creation. Isn't that good? Come on, somebody. Now, in the Hebrew language, the word breathe, to breathe life, is not just a gentle breeze. 
Some would say there's a sound to it. Say sound. sound. See, you have a sound. You have a voice. The only reason you can make a sound is because you have breath. You know that you're given breath so that you can release sounds, so that you can be creative. The creator created us with his spirit and his image to create and to worship. How many know that we should be creative? Believers should be the most creative people on the planet. Come on, we should make the best movies someday. Hashtag say someday, hallelujah. We should be making the best, we should be the most creative and the best music because we have the spirit of the living God. We've been made alive into God and that spirit is resident within us. And how many know we've been created? We also created a worship. Now the word worship in the Bible means to, to lay face down on the ground. Actually, it literally means put your face into the ground to return in which we were created. In other words, also this, to get our head below our hearts. That's worship. To get back to where God breathed that breath of life. He took dirt and he breathed the breath of life and formed from the ground now, some would even say that that's where rhythm started. We talk about music and sound. That rhythm started when Adam's heart began to beat. There was a rhythm in the flow of Genesis where God says, and, and, and God said it was good. And then God said, let there be light. But then there was this powerful summation of, of what happened, that God created man in his image. And Adam is hanging out in the garden. Adam and Eve hanging out in the garden with God. In the cool of the day, he was doing exactly what he was created to do, which is to be with God in the presence of the Lord. So there was a sound release when God breathed the breath of life into Adam. Some would say that it wasn't just a, but it was a, there was a release, a sound from God's life, his voice, breathing life into Adam. Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. Adam was completely fulfilling his created purpose, walking with God. Now, I want to talk to you about a sound because you have a voice, you have a song, you have a sound. You have something to be released. And sometimes we don't realize that we have a sound. And sometimes you've heard it said before that uh, you have a voice, so don't be an echo. But I think sometimes we live our life from this place of just being an echo. An echo is a mere reflection of an original sound that gets fainter and fainter and fainter. But God has created you and wired you to release your own sound. Can you say amen? amen. Uh, I love thinking about this when I, uh, when I look through the scripture. There's some examples. We see that the body of Christ is like a symphony. The body of Christ, Paul says, we're all individual members of one body, which is a beautiful picture. And he's actually talking about worship and he's talking about how to conduct yourself in public worship. And he's talking about all the gifts that the gifts are to edify one another. The gifts are not to edify us, it's to edify the other. Hello? There's only one facet to one gift in the nine that we see in 1 Corinthians 12 that edifies ourselves and that's tongues. All the other gifts are to build up other people. Amen? Is it interesting, though, that in a lot of our charismatic cultures, we feel more anointed when we're prophesying. Therefore, we use our gifts to feel better about ourselves, to build ourselves up, instead of coming to a place where I just want to pour out and give and encourage somebody else. But we have come to this place where we are so addicted to platform, to spotlight, to the solo that we don't know how to be a part of a symphony. See, we are not created to release a solo sound. We're created to release a symphony sound. There's a big difference. A symphony sound is harmonious with those that are around and harmonious with the sound of heaven. 
And Paul's saying, the body's like a symphony. As a matter of fact, Paul even uses this language in warning the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, uh, don't get in harmony with people that are toxic. I'm paraphrasing. How many say that's a good word right there? Jesus also uses this word. I'm going to read it in uh, Matthew 18, 19, the Amplified. Again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree, how many remember this verse? Come on, somebody. The prayer of agreement. Glory to God. And look what it says here. If two shall agree, harmonize together, make a symphony together. Because that's what the Greek word actually agree means. It means it's symphoneo. It's where we get the word symphony. If two of you shall agree, harmonize about whatever, anything and everything they may ask, it will come to pass and be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now take note, Matthew 18, how many of us know Matthew 18 is where Jesus talks about offense. And he says, if you're offended, how many know what Jesus says in the, in the text? If you're offended, um, make sure that you tell everyone else about your offense and don't worry about the person you're offended to. I see some people shaking their head like, pastor, that's not what the Bible says. You're right. It's not what it says, but that's what everyone does. Like we have something in our hearts towards a brother or sister. And instead of going to them, we tell everybody else in the guise of a prayer request. Pray for brother so-and-so because you know, and then we just go on and start gossiping about somebody or venting our frustration. The Bible says, no, go to them. Why? Because not only is that disharmony in you, but you're going to create disharmony in someone else. And when we share or we try to get someone else or feed someone else our offense, we're basically not only pouring poison into another well, but we're treating somebody like a garbage can. Sorry, but I ain't no garbage can. That's actually something you could write down the next time someone slanders somebody, a brother, sister. Sorry, I love you, man, but I ain't no garbage can. Hello? And Jesus is saying in the context of the prayer of agreement, it wasn't just, all right, let's agree, brother. No, no, no. It's let our hearts be in harmony. There's a spiritual connection. There's a soul connection. There's a heart connection. Now, Paul uses this word. It's a word that literally has to do with sound. There's a frequency. There's a connection. Have you ever been around someone and you just feel like a heart connection? Paul uses this language when he's talking about his own spiritual son. He says, we have kindred spirits. And so I look at the scriptures and I see all these references to sounds, sounds in worship. You know, this is kind of like a, a thing that I think about sometimes. Why does it seem like there's certain words, phrases, songs or even worship leaders or preachers or whatever. And some of these words, phrases, songs, messages have more substance of heaven on them and then some do not. And sometimes they're saying the same thing. Have you ever wondered that? Am I the only person that wonders that? Like, have you ever wondered why, like that song is just, we'll say this, it's way anointed, right? That song is so anointed or that worship leader so anointed or that preacher so anointed. Why is it that sometimes people can say the same thing? Because it's not about the words. It's about the sound. It's about what's coming from behind it, which is the breath. It's really from the spirit behind it. And what I found is recently we're discussing this. Why is it like certain songs just carry the weighty presence of God? And I was thinking about this one particular song and I 
was praying about it. And I felt like the Holy Spirit says this. He says, the reason that part of the song is so weighty is because those words were marinated in the secret place. I wonder how much God wants to release through us words, phrases, and sounds that marinate in the secret place. There's things he wants to birth in us. Some things uh, are, can only be conceived in intimacy. Hashtag children. Come on, somebody. You could have two couples. One has kids, one doesn't. There's a big difference. There's when someone has, uh, and, and listen, God wants to conceive things inside of us that only happen through intimacy. And then there's sometimes there's a time where that, that thing that he conceives in us, that life, it just needs to remain in there. How many have ever felt like they shared something too early with people around them? Have you ever felt like that? And I learned that I believe, you know, there's this particular song and the Lord says, you have been singing that in the secret place to me for seven to eight years. Why do you think it carries so much substance of heaven when you sing it publicly? Because what's done in the secret place, God rewards openly. And listen, when we go back to the beginning and look at the garden, Adam was perfectly doing what he was created to do. Just being with God in the presence of the Lord. You have a song, you have a sound to release. I, I think that sometimes though, we, we don't know the difference between an echo and what it means to resound. I think sometimes we live our lives, we do relationships, we do church, we work, everything, we live our lives, everything that flows from our hearts, we do from a place of being an echo instead of resounding the way God created us to do, which is to release the sound that we were created to release. You know that uh, there's a scientist in the 60s, a Russian scientist, and there's a whole science to this that um, he decoded that every unique DNA of individual humans actually can be translated into and composed into a unique song, a melody. Isn't that amazing? They've even done some study, and I don't know how thorough you have to research it yourself, that there were certain studies they did, people that were ill, their... Uh, the, the, the decoding their DNA that during that illness, that time of illness, that it actually, those cells actually released a disharmony, a, a, a sound that was, that brought disharmony and chaos. That's really what cancer is, is cells that are out of sync, out of harmony. Scientists will even say, and you could get all new age, and that's not my point, but scientists will say that there are frequencies that heal, there are frequencies that can make you sick. But how many know we have the frequency of heaven, which is the love of God, and we can release, we can make declarations, and we can, come on, we can declare gross, dissolve in Jesus' name. We can declare like life come, dead rays. There's nothing impossible. But if we would realize that we're not created to just be an echo, which isn't a reflection of a sound, but we are called to actually resound, which means to sound again what God is speaking, what God is saying, what God is breathing. You know, we'll, we'll use illustrations like, well, you know, we have to reflect his glory. And uh, yeah, I believe that to an extent. And we'll use an analogy. How many have ever heard the moon and the sun analogy? Well, we're just the moons reflecting the, the light of the sun. 
You know, that's not a very good scriptural analogy because the moon has no light in itself. Ephesians uh, 5.8 says that you were once darkness, not in darkness. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You are light in the Lord. In other words, you are a beacon of hope and light to the world around you. You don't just reflect the divine nature. Second Peter 1, 3 through 5 says you partake of the divine nature. No wonder we're echoes and we're not original. We were created to be creative and to worship. We're creative, uh, created with the same force of creative power when God breathed life into Adam in the garden. And Jesus does the same thing to the apostles. He breathes life. He says, now go, preach the gospel, go. How many know that we're created to release a sound? We're created. We're not created to be an echo, which is a sound reflected that goes fainter and fainter and fainter and fainter. I wonder if sometimes this is the reason we strive instead of rest in the heart of how God sees us or how he sees the situation. I can think about this in relationships. I don't want to illustrate this for you. So I have a guitar here. Now, how many know uh, this guitar was designed to do something? What was it designed to do? Play pretty songs, right? Release a sound. Now, it has strings. And these strings are tuned, right? Now, I could go in here and... Oh, man, let's listen to it now. Make a joyful noise, right? Now, how many know that sometimes in our life, we don't release a very pleasant sound? Sometimes in our relationships, you know, we face a difficulty or in life we face a difficulty and, and, and something happens in our hearts and all of a sudden we get angry or we lash out at someone or we misplace aggression. And how many know that it's, it's, it's releasing a sound that is unpleasant to those that are around, right? My kids are looking at me like, dad, that's you sometimes. I know God's working on me. Come on, somebody. How many know sometimes... Uh, you know, like we're wound up, we're high strung, right? And we might need, we might need God to just, just, I'm turning the wrong string, great. Sounds like bluegrass right there. Come on, somebody. I mean, you know, sometimes we need God to, listen, this is so profound to me that there's times where we, we get anxious about a situation. You can just, just mute it while I'm talking, please. Get anxious about a situation. We get high strung. And God's like, if you want to get through this the right way, just unwind, be present in the moment. Say, all right, God, what are you saying about this? Let me learn how to yield. Because, listen, this is a word I heard a long time ago. It's not always rock and roll. Sometimes it's slow dance. Sometimes in our prayer life, and this is something that we can learn, there are times to pray strong, loud, and constant. Pray in tongues. You go for it. Then there are times to be contemplative and just sit in silence in the presence of God. Sometimes it's not rock and roll. It's slow dance. Sometimes we run ahead of God instead of yield to him. 
and we slow down. And, and this, this is a perfect analogy that, Kevin, would you jump up here on the keys? I need your help real quick. Now this instrument was created to release a sound, but how many know it needs to be tuned? How many know what tunes us? The love of God tunes the strings of our heart so that we can be in harmony with him and in harmony with one another. Now it's interesting that sometimes we'll, we'll do life apart from this reality. Jesus uses this word when he says that two or more shall agree. Sometimes we will we'll do marriage in a way where, yeah, I'm married to this person. I'm bound to them. I'm committed to them. But you're never in harmony with them. I've learned this from a mentor in my life that you could be, uh, you could have a, a, a commitment to somebody and a bond in relationship, but you might not be in harmony, which means your heart is not connected to the other person's heart the way it's created to. Like we could, we could do this, we do it like this. We worship God and I worship God with passion, but my relationships with people are, can I say this, poo-poo. My relationships with people are disharmonious. And here's what I've learned, that if we're worshiping God, he tunes the strings of our heart and it affects our relationships with people where we learn to love, we learn to forgive, and we learn to connect with people's hearts. I've learned to parent better with this understanding. When I know the heart of God, when my heart, hear me, res begins to resonate, not echo, resonate with the heart of God, then I begin to resound or sound again that same love. And that, now I'm going to illustrate this. You all ready? So now we've been, we've, the, I've detuned a lot of this guitar, but this first string, will you hit a D for me? How many know that there's times God will speak to us in moments where we really need it? Hello? in worship, somebody's praying for us. I remember a moment, I was so wound up about something and the Lord just said, I want you to hit a D. The Lord just said, go ahead, hit it. It's all gonna be okay. Now here's what happened. The sound of his voice, now go ahead, let go, caused the string of my heart to resonate with that reality. Come on, somebody. Did you hear that? It literally, now here's what happens though. We think that we're supposed to live in this realm of just being an echo when God's like, no, you're an instrument created to be creative. You're created to release a sound and a song. And so many of us have been stifled and silenced by lies that we don't realize we have a voice. We don't realize that we're created for something. And it doesn't mean ministry all the time. Hello? You might have a new recipe for a cake that's going to knock somebody's socks off and I can't wait to taste it. Come on, somebody. You might be created to do something great in the realm of business or politics or uh, acting. Come on, somebody in Hollywood. You might be created to resound the sound of heaven in a way that it catches people's ears and they've never heard it before. I think this is the best way to evangelize. Instead of evangelizing and we're on the street corner yelling at people. Oh, whoa. That's what it's like. Repent or you're going to burn in hell. That sounds about right, doesn't it? doesn't it? Or how about like, he loves you. 
He's forgiven you. Come to him. Receive his forgiveness. Come on, somebody. He loves you. He's forgiven you. He shed his blood for you. Receive him into your life. He's received you into his life. It's time to be free. It's time to be transformed. That's the good news. Repent, you little sinner. God never called us to condescend the lost. He called us to come under and give a drink to the thirsty, to invite the broken to our table. Come on. That's what he did, hanging on the cross, shed his blood for the entire cosmos. And sometimes we do life like this, and we just keep resounding with this disharmonious sound. No wonder the world wants nothing to do with some of the church. Can you imagine if our marriages, our families, our relationships with our kids, our relationships with one another as Christian community was harmonious with that sound of heaven? And God speaks, and now we realize we're not just an echo. We're not just something that reflects a sound that gets distant and distant and distant, but we resonate with the very life of God. But I want to say this, that you must understand that to resound is to be so impacted by sound that you sound it again. We actually release our own sound, but it's always rooted in the source of the original sound. Ultimately, we're not the source, but we're carriers and releasers of the original sound, which is God. Now, what do you resound? You resound the heart of God for humanity. Every gift of the Spirit Every message, every song that we sing is a reflection of what God, who he is and what he's done for us. And we resound that to the world. See, as we yield, our hearts begin to resonate with the heartbeat of God. Um, And it leads to resounding his love to the world around us. This week, um, we had to look for, uh, we actually had to call, how many were here last Sunday at 11 a.m. and it was a little hot in here? Do you guys remember that? How many felt the fire of the Holy Ghost? And you felt heat because one of our AC units was not working. Now, how many know, uh, it, you know, uh, actually at our house, we had one out for five days. Um, and the upstairs one worked and the downstairs one didn't. So by the afternoon, it was so hot downstairs in our house. You really appreciate uh, those things, right, when, when they go out. And so thank God for air conditioning. In Vegas, we could do a praise break every summer, every day for air conditioning. Hallelujah. And especially in church, 11 a.m. last week, we're like going for it. And all of a sudden, it's like getting hotter and hotter and hotter. So I'm like, dang it, man, I hope it's nothing major. How many know you're hoping it's not the compressor? If you know anything about air conditioning, right, you hope it's nothing big. Because then it's like the, it's $100 versus thousands of dollars. So I call the AC guy and he comes over and does a test. Come to find out the problem was not with what's up top, uh, the source of the power. The problem was with the thermostat that's connected to the power. Now, how many know as believers, we're not just thermometers that gauge the temperature of the atmosphere, but we are thermostats that bring wind and shift the atmosphere and release our sound. And what I realized, oh, by the way, I went through this thing. We got a, a thermostat and I got a free Alexa dot. How many have the, the Alexa, like any, you don't yet? Oh my gosh, you need to get it with smart bulbs. Because now I walk in my office and I'm like, Alexa, turn on my lights. <sighs> the lights come on. I'm like, what? Jetsons, come on somebody. <laughs> it's like future, man. I, I mean, Alexa changed my life. I don't like Sir anymore. She is annoying. She doesn't get anything right when I tell her. I'm still a fan of Apple and iPhone, 
but Alexa is the bomb. Come on, somebody. I walk in my office this morning. I'm like, Alexa, turn on my lights. Okay. <laughs> Alexa, put on Spotify. Worship starts playing. I'm like, my office is ready. Come on, somebody. So we got this free thing, but I got the thermostat. We hooked it up. Turns out what we thought would have been an expensive fix, it was an easy fix. Hallelujah. But listen, sometimes we think the problem is what's up top, which is the source of the power, but the problem is the thermostat. The problem is not that God isn't doing something. It's that we're not resounding what God is doing, saying, and done. Can we get to the place where we're not just an echo of religion and lies and ideas about God, but we resound the very heart and nature and substance of who God is and what he's saying and doing in the earth now. Imagine a world like that. I want you to pray with me. In Luke 3.22, we, we see Jesus is baptized and there was a sound. There was a sound from heaven. You know, in different accounts of scripture, even like when Paul was being converted on the road to Damascus and he falls to the ground. He heard the sound of Jesus' voice and some around heard a different sound. They heard thundering. Matter of fact, in another gospel account, even when, when there was a sound from heaven, it was the voice of God over Jesus. Some heard thundering, some heard the voice of God. But at the baptism of Jesus, it says that the voice of the father spoke over his son. This is my son that I love, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Can I just tell you that that is the heartbeat of what we should be resounding to the world around us. And when we know that we're his beloved kids, come on, this is the message of the heartbeat of our house, knowing that we're sons. If you know that you're a son or a daughter, if you know that you're a child of God, you're not rooted, your identity is not rooted in a platform or a spotlight or a solo, but you become a part of a symphony and harmonious sound with God and with one another. And that is what God is calling us to do, not to be an echo, but to resound the sound of Yahweh. Chris Ritchie lyrics. Come on, somebody. How many love that song? Come on. That's what we're created to do, resound the sound. So Father, I pray right now that you would tune the strings of our heart. Would you lift your hands with me? I bless your people and I pray, God, that you would, if we're wound up tight, Lord, would you just teach us to relax? Sometimes it's not rock and roll, it's slow dance. Sometimes we need to be still. As Sister Tony was declaring, the prophetic voice in this house, one of the dear prophetic voices it's time to be still and know that he's God. Sometimes it's slow dance. Sometimes we need to get back to the garden, get back to intimacy, get back to the secret place and marinate in the secret place so that we can come out and he rewards openly and we can release songs and we can release sounds just like Jesus would, would go into the Father's presence sometimes all night and then come down from the mountaintop and release his love and release the heart of God. Father, thank you right now for your people. I bless every person in this room. And may we hear the sound of the Father's voice that we are your beloved children in whom you are well pleased. And we want to resound that in our marriages, in our families, in our relationships, in our community, in our evangelism, in the way 
that we function in life. May the sound that we release, the song, the voice, the messages, the declarations, the words. Jesus said, your words are spirit and they are life. I pray that our words would be carriers of the life and the glory of your love and your presence. Teach us, Lord, to resound, not just be an echo. We want to move with heaven. Come on, we want to yield to heaven. Oh, Lord, we want to say yes to heaven. You know, my daughter, Sarah, just uh, led worship, one of our worship leaders here, and she was standing in the middle. If you don't know, that's my daughter, my oldest daughter. And I remember when she was just in the womb and we would pray over my wife's womb and we would just declare the love of God. And, and I remember any time I would play on the guitar, specifically when I would play a worship song, she would leap and begin to move. I felt it literally because I carried her. Come on, so no, I'm just kidding. I didn't carry her. I went through labor pains. No, I didn't. 36 hours of labor. It was rough, guys. Four hours of pushing. No, my wife did it all, and I don't know that pain, and I don't want to know that pain. We did it, baby. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's funny when couples are like, yeah, we're pregnant. Like, you ain't pregnant. You look pregnant. Uh, yeah, right here. But uh, she would leap in the womb every time. She was resounding in her womb the song and the sound of heaven before she even came out of the womb. And now we as a church get to participate in the resounding of God's heart. And it ushers us in to a place, a deep place of worship, doesn't it? Where we experience his love and his presence. Isn't that amazing? Just know that God has got you and you're surrounded by him. And would you just let his voice speak over you? You're my beloved. I love you. It's all going to be okay. Let him tune the strings of your heart. You feel like you've been out of tune in your relationships and life. Let his love heal, restore, and tune the strings of your heart so that you can be in harmony with him. Alignment with heaven. Alignment with the voice of God. Alignment with the will of God. Alignment with the heartbeat of God. And so, Lord, we just say yes, and we slow down and come in rhythm with your heartbeat. Lord, bless your people today. I thank you for healing, freedom, and wholeness over every life and every heart. Would you pray with me and say in Jesus' name. Now, I want to ask you before I dismiss you, lift up your hands with me one more time and just thank God for the word. Thank God for what he's doing in your life. I want to ask our prayer team, would you pray in the Holy Spirit right now? Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's just take a minute and just yield. Lord, we just slow down. We yield. We just we let our hearts come in line with yours. Thank you, Lord. It's not always rock and roll. Sometimes it's slow dance. Sometimes we got to slow down, you know, when you're getting on the freeway in order to yield. If someone's getting on, you have to slow down and let them on or vice versa. You have to make sure that you're aware of your speed. Sometimes we're not aware of our speed and we pass things up and we say things quickly and may we learn to be present in the moment and slow down. 
and be present with God because he is present with us. So Lord, I pray right now an awareness of your peace, your shalom, just like you walk through the walls. In John chapter 20, you said peace to you. And then you breathe on the disciples. Lord, breathe upon your disciples right now. I pray that you would receive the wind of God, the spirit of God into your life in the name of Jesus. Lift your hands with me and just take a deep breath in and say, I receive it now. I receive it now in the name of Jesus. Now I want to ask you if you need prayer for anything, can we have our prayer team come up? Um, We want to minister to you. We want to prophesy over you. If you want to receive Jesus, if you've never surrendered your heart to heaven, you never surrendered your heart to Jesus and you want to be forgiven, you want to receive that forgiveness and that new life that he has, we want you to come and pray with one of our prayer ministers here. Can you stand up with me if you would, please? Stand together. Thank you, Father. So tonight, if you're able to come... We're meeting at six o'clock. Is that six o'clock? Oh, you didn't announce it this service? Okay. My wife's going to announce something to you. Um, And by the way, it's my birthday. I can preach how I want to. So if y'all just thinking like, you better say amen. Like, you know what? I'm going another 20 minutes. It's my birthday. Technically, it's not my birthday, but I celebrate a whole week of birthdays. Come on. Who celebrates their birthday for like a straight month? Come on, somebody. The other day... I'm like, it's my birthday, honey. She's like, no, actually, it's not till Thursday. I'm like, seriously, you're going to do that? I'm older than you. Respect your elders. Come on, somebody. She always makes fun of how old I am, so that's what I get. I respect your elders, woman. I'm just playing. I don't talk to my wife like that. My beloved bride. So tell them what we got going on tonight. We want you all to come if you can. So please join us tonight, 6 o'clock. We're going to have yummy dessert, cake, all kinds of stuff. Um, And we're going to have just a a time of worship and celebration of our awesome pastor to celebrate who he is and what he has brought to our lives. So join us tonight at 6. All are welcome. Even if it's your first time here, you're welcome to come and join us. And if you've been here for a long time, you have to come. No, I'm kidding. Um, So we'll see you guys tonight at 6 o'clock. Let me bless you. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the declaration that we are not an echo, but we resound with the sound of heaven. God, we are carriers of your glory, of your light. And everywhere we go, we can possess the land for Jesus. If we believe it, we can do it in the name of Jesus. And so I just pray blessing, favor, increase on every single life in this room, on every person in this room, in the name of Jesus. So if you need prayer for anything, Uh, healing in your body, healing in your mind. Maybe you need to receive the Lord for the first time. I just encourage you, come to the front and pray with one of our prayer team members.